The peace of Christ be with you. I'm over here. (laughs) And also with me. Thank you. Welcome to worship at Westminster as we settle into this place. Give yourselves about three deep breaths to be fully present, to be surrounded by spirit and held by this house of prayer. Friends, before we continue worship, it was brought to my attention on the way in that there's a Toyota out there that was running with nobody in it. Uh, I've been known to talk so long people want to take off, but that seems like overkill to have your car run. No, but if anybody has a push button, maybe starter or or something, and you have a Toyota parked on the end there, you might want to know that. So with that, friends, let us worship the living God. Please rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. Gather us in, O God, in your peaceable presence. Bless this time and this gathering, that it might be safe and healthy. Open us to the revealing of your way and wisdom. Give us what we need this day.
You may be seated. I want to welcome you here to worship at Westminster. It is good to be with you today. A special welcome to those of you who may be visiting with us. I do invite you out to our patio after worship for coffee and tea and a chance to get to know each other just a little better. If you're sitting here on the center aisle at the offering, if you take that pad and sign it, pass it down, pass it back, it's a great way, especially if you're visiting, for us to connect with you later. It's also a great way for you to be able to greet each other by name after worship. So let's join together now in our community prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, the wisdom you give is pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to Prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, know that we are a forgiven people. And we give thanks and rejoice that in Christ we are forgiven and we are given strength to begin anew, strength through gentleness and peace. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now I'd like to invite any of the children who are worshiping with us to come join me here at the front. Hello. How's everyone doing today? It's so good to see all of you. So every Sunday when you're here at church, and most of you, I think, head off to Sunday school, every Sunday you learn a story. And that story is from the Bible. It might be a story about Jesus. It might be a story from the Older Testament about the Israelites from long ago. But it's a story about stuff that happened a long time ago, but that can help us learn about God, that can help us learn about loving one another, that can help us as we live our lives together. And because the Bible is such an important part of our faith and learning about God, we like to give them away. We want to make sure that people have Bibles at home that you can read and learn from. And so I have this really cool Bible in my hand. It's actually called an Adventure Bible, which I love. And it has all the stories in it, all the stories that you learn in Sunday school. Um, but then it has little extra stuff too. It has some pictures. It has some charts and maps and some extra special poetry and stuff. All ways to help us learn about God and learn about God's love. 
And so here at the church, we give Bibles away every fall to kids who are in third grade. And so I know that some of you are in third grade. And so what I want to do is ask those of you who are in third grade to come and stand up there so we can see you all. I think Noelle just walked in. Come on, Noelle. You can go with your sister. That's fine. No problem. We got all kinds of extra folks. That's, That's all good. We love it. All right. We got our third graders and some extra folks too up there, which is awesome. All right. So what I would love for you to do is, um, I th- sure, <laughs> is, is will you say your name out really loud so, we, so all of us know who you are, and then I've got a Bible here for each one of you. So let's start here. Your name is, so everyone can hear, Noel. Here you go. Next. Audrey. Audrey. Here you go. Next. We got Kate over here, and last but of course not least, Tyson here, that one's for you. So we hope that you will take these home and read them not just by yourselves, but read them with your brothers, read them with your family, and enjoy all the stories that are in there, how we learn about God and God's love. So we're going to head out to Sunday school, and super excitement for me, I get to come with you today. So I am going to sing us out as we all head out to Sunday school. Ready? Go now in peace. Go now in peace. I'll just leave these others up here in case someone needs one. Welcome to them. One of the ways that we support one another in this community is we lift up our joys, our concerns, things we're challenged by, that we can learn what's happening in the lives of others in the community and that we can hold each other in prayer during the week to come. So if you have a joy or concern, just raise your hand and speak up. Yeah, please, Christine. So prayers for a loved one who's had some bleeding in the brain. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Prayers for my son Jack. He's getting into surgery to repair a broken Jack's got a broken arm and a wrist in surgery tomorrow, and my prayers would not only be for that tomorrow, but for the patience in that time of recovery. I know you want to be out on the field, so hang in there. Go easy on your brothers. Actually, other way around, go easy on him. John. Thank you, John. John's nephew's 27 years old and is facing a very serious bout of cancer. I have one while you're thinking, and then I'll... Co- well, go ahead. Yours is going to be, yeah. Uh, this is a herd of uh, joy. Uh, we have a visitor from Seattle. Terrific. Uh, Julie, you may stand up. Uh, 
<laughs> one up, one down. I, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> That's a good sign. That's a good sign, Grandpa. Yeah. Welcome to grandchildren. What a joy. I have a joy to share while others are thinking. If you were here last week, you saw we had a number of Muslim um, children and youth with us to be a part of the Sunday school program. And after the service, they were still so excited. They came in here and they were asking about what things were. And, and uh, they sent us a note since that time and appreciated how warm your welcome was. And Khadija, the adult leader who was with them, will be back as one of our speakers in a few weeks' time. So we rejoice at that uh, relationship. Yeah, Lynn. As part of her work, Lynn has encountered a, a, a remarkable peacemaker at the age of 12, but she's going through some illness, and so we lift her up in prayer. Anyone else? Yes, last one. Prayers for uh, safe travels from all the Heading out to Illinois this week to visit my little aunt Georgia Allen. Yeah, prayer, traveling mercies for you all. We'll miss you while you're gone and come back to us safe and sound. Let's, let's enter into a posture of prayer. Spirit, we've named on our lips some of the prayers of our hearts, and we also offer to you prayers perhaps too tender to be spoken, perhaps those prayers that have yet to take full shape and form. Enter into our heart space with us that we might know we do not journey alone. Bind us in benevolent love to you and to one another. And join us now in voice as we offer the prayer named for your son Jesus the Christ, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not to temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
The first scripture reading is Psalm 1. Listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord. And on God's law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked shall perish. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. The second reading comes from the epistle of James, chapter 3, verse 13, through chapter 4, verse 4. Listen for what the Spirit is continuing to say to us this morning. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom. And if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is pure, first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and you do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures, adulterers. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. This too is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. The movie Saved offers a caricature of a certain kind of Christianity, and it features a Christian high school where the youth are very zealous in their faith. There's this marvelous scene where one angry girl is chasing another girl, and she's lobbing all kinds of judgment and condemnation at her for her conduct. And at one point, she takes her well-worn Bible and throws it at her and says, I'm filled with the love of Christ! (laughs) 
the other girl, appropriately named Mary, picks it up and holds it out to her and says, don't you get it? This isn't a weapon. Now, my guess is most of us don't weaponize our faith. But are there other ways in which we weaponize things we care about? Our positions, our causes. And the language of faith cannot be fundamentally a language of aggression. Oh, but how tempting aggression is. I mean, have you ever been to a really angry peace rally? They are the best. I mean, it's just... <laughs> the Franciscan Richard Rohr, who I mentioned last week, says, you know, if, if conservatives lean toward fear, liberals lean toward rage. Now, I don't know where you're indicted on that spectrum, but I know where I am and guilty as charged. James says, true wisdom, true wisdom gives birth not to aggression, but gentleness. Gentleness. Now, that's, that's hard to do, but it's something you've got to do. James says, if you've got selfish ambition, if you're carrying around bitter envy inside, you've got to get back to work. You've got to get back to prayer the kind of contemplative prayer where whatever is inside you, whether it's fear or anger, can get heard and healed and the spirit can slowly chip away at all the callous that's built up. I think James knows it's going to be hard. You know it's hard to live in this world without living in those places. Now, by the way, fear and anger both have a place uh, in this world. There are moments for each, but they're not good long-term strategies. You've got to learn to move Beyond them, I think that's what James is saying. And I, I know it's hard. I can't tell you how many of you, you know, come and say to me, I just don't know how to be around, name your group. I just can't be with or speak to fill in the blank. And so what do we do? We just disengage. We pull back. And there's a time for that too. When the interaction is so raw, it's only going to do harm to one or the other and probably both together, and it's not productive. Sooner or later, though, you have to engage. You have to. Sometimes I think Christianity gets just reduced to this notion, this vague notion of being nice, of avoiding conflict, and of, of not going there. But this so-called peacekeeping might also be upholding ways of being that are really hurting others, that are doing actual damage. Stanley Hauerwas, the great Christian ethicist, says, we are called to be peacemakers, but that is not to be confused with preserving false peace. This is what he says uh, in his own words. He writes, you cannot overlook a fault on the presumption that it is better simply not to disturb the peace. Rather, you must risk stirring the waters, causing disorder, rather than overlooking the sin. Now, Hauerwas is not deputizing us into the personal sin police where you walk around with the Bible like that angry teenager condemning everybody for every personal fault. 
I think what Hauerwas is calling us to as people of faith is the ability to recognize and name falseness for what it is. It's just, it's the way you do it that will make all the difference. Now, that's interesting when you're considering someone like Stanley Hauerwas. I don't know if any of you have ever heard him speak or seen him, but those who are familiar with him uh, wouldn't describe him as the most gentle of figures. Uh, He comes out of the Mennonite tradition, this great pacifist tradition, and he claims that as his own orientation. But he has a fiery reputation in the classroom, He elevates swearing to an art form, from what I understand, and he's just full of, oh, passion, we could say. And a colleague and friend of mine studied under him, and he said, at one point, it was clear that Hauerwas recognized the incongruity of that. And he came into class one day and said, I've been asking my colleagues and those around me to hold me accountable for my pacifism. And when I say that, I mean not just where I stand on wars, but how I act and how I speak. I think what he recognized was what James understood so well, that you cannot preach peace while embodying violence. You cannot do it. This is what James said. Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And the work has to be about pure wisdom, not personal grudges or agendas not with the bitterness and the envy and the lasting anger or, I suppose, the lasting fear. Not only will that taint the message you're espousing, but it'll give those who stand on the other side every reason to write you off and not listen. Now, the problem is that gentleness is not very much in vogue these days. Maybe it's never been in vogue, quite frankly, In our society, it's considered a feminine characteristic, and as far as we think we've come, we still uh, equate that with something being lesser than. And so women are to grow out of it and overcome it, and men are to suppress it, even though, of course, it's in all of us. And the irony, of course, is that Jesus deeply embodies power in gentleness, stands up with great strength and Not but, and gentleness. Now, I know the Catholic Church is struggling with their own incongruity right now. But their leader has something really powerful to say on this issue. He talks about it in terms of tenderness. And this is what Pope Francis says. Yes, tenderness is the path of choice for the strongest. Most courageous men and women. Tenderness is not weakness. It's fortitude. It is the path of solidarity. The path of humility. Please allow me to say it loud and clear. The more powerful you are, the more your actions will have an impact on people, the more responsible you are to act humbly. If you don't, your power 
will ruin you and you will ruin the other. There's a saying in Argentina, from where the Pope comes, power is like drinking gin on an empty stomach. You feel, I wouldn't know. I always eat something when I drink. You feel dizzy, you get drunk, you lose your balance. That'll preach. And you will end up hurting yourself and those around you if you don't connect your power with humility and tenderness. Francis follows that up by offering this wonderful phrase. He talks about having a revolution of tenderness. Isn't that wonderful? A revolution of tenderness. Now, you need both elements. Revolution because it means calling into question conventional wisdom and systems that hurt whole groups of people or individual persons. And tenderness because if you don't, then you risk just replacing one violent system or behavior with another, and that gets you nowhere. Now, all tenderness is chicken soup for the soul which is fine now and then, make you feel better, but it's not very deep and it's not the whole feast. All revolution is a crusade or a holy war, which I think is an oxymoron. So you need to hold them together, revolution and tenderness as one. And ultimately, you have to make a choice. You have to make a choice about your friends. In fact, there's this uh, wonderful children's Bible uh, that Desmond Tutu put together. And in in the front, he writes a little note to the children and and he says, the most important thing is you need to learn to be a friend of God. Now that feels just warm and sentimental to us until you explore it, until you recognize that he's using the language of James. James talks about befriending God or befriending the world. Now don't get confused by that language. It's not that the created world is bad. He's talking about the world that we have constructed, a world that's based on aggression as accumulating power, holding it over people, taking advantage of them so some do well and many do not. And the way of God, in contrast, is power with, it's sharing power, it's recognizing ultimately that solidarity is at the core of human existence. And you have to pick. This is why James says, adulterers, he's not offering some purity code. That's his way of naming divided allegiance. You can't befriend both sides at the same time. You have to choose. Will you befriend God? Because you can't befriend both. Now, there's an important critique to offer here, an important caveat to give voice to. Because it's easy for those in power to preach tenderness and gentleness and nonviolence to those whose power have been robbed from them, either groups of people through injustice or individuals through abuse. And that's a way, consciously or subconsciously, of keeping them down and keeping them where they are. And that's not what James is talking about. And that's not what Jesus 
embodied. In fact, Jesus embodied solidarity with those people. That's the true manifestation of power in coming alongside of them if you're not one of them and helping lift them up. So we must be careful in the way we speak, even of gentleness, because that can become violent in its own way. Wow, so how do we do this? How do we do this in our very real lives out in the world where we run into all kinds of different people and perspectives? Well, the first thing you do is we practice. Practice gentleness, knowing we're going to fail half the time. But practice it again and again in here with one another all day long. We learn to slow down, whatever helps you slow down, to get out of that reactive part of your brain and into that more thoughtful part that you could say is tapped into that deeper and pure wisdom. You get into a prayer practice, a deep prayer practice. I recommend the kind where you don't do most of the talking. (laughs) And you get into community. For all is imperfection, Harawas offers us a really wonderful model. He employed the help of those he trusted around him who shared his values and say, you hold me accountable for my behavior. That's important. That's why we do this together. That's why you can't just always watch this on the internet. We need each other for that. And there's another thing that Harawas recognized that was really important. He said, remember, Christians are forgiven people. I mean, he might say everyone is a forgiven person, but we claim to know that we are a forgiven people. And by that, he means we've been shown tenderness. And that's not just a relief, it's a reservoir. And we can draw on that to offer others tenderness. Now, for some of us, that's going to be harder than others of us because some of you have been denied an experience of tenderness through your upbringing or through other kinds of encounters you had. So you're going to have to do some work to reclaim the tenderness that God has intended for you. And it's good work and important work and we'll join you. She got to do it. We have to all do it. The world doesn't need yet one more unhealed crusader. We see what that looks like and the damage that causes. So, we can practice together. We can support each other. Maybe that's the whole point of having a church in the first place. The great uh, Methodist preacher Fred Craddock tells a story about going to be the guest preacher at a three-day event. And he shows up on a Friday. The first uh, speech or talk was to be that night. And as he gets into the church parking lot, he sees the, the host pastor there and uh, a funeral is letting out. And that host pastor is, con- is offering his condolences and consoling the, the, the newly minted widow. And he signals Craddock over, and Craddock thinks, I don't, this is awkward, I don't know this woman, and I feel uncomfortable, but he goes over and he introduces himself, and he says, I'm so sorry for your loss. And the woman says, says thank you, and she says, well, under the circumstances, I won't be able to be there tonight, uh, but I'll be there the next two days. And he says, oh, no, no, you don't have to. Why do we do that? Why, why do we act like coming to church is a punishment? Don't answer that. <laughs> but they get into a little bit of a back and forth. He says, oh, no, no, you don't have to come. And she says, yes, I do. Because the church is where the people are who are going to make sure that my kids and I are all right. It's the cradle of tenderness, right? It's just in their DNA. They take care of each other. And we practice that here with one another. 
so that when we go out there or maybe when we go in here and we have those difficult encounters with those people and those issues, our native tongue is not aggression. Our native tongue is gentleness. Amen. This time I invite Chris Caldwell forward for a moment for stewardship. Chris. Good morning. My name is Chris Caldwell, and in addition to being a member of the Westminster Presbyterian Church, I'm also an emergency physician at San Francisco General Hospital. And since shortly uh, after my family and I moved out here from Colorado two and a half years ago, I've had the opportunity to think about and reflect on what the church means to me. So when they told me I was going to have an opportunity to, to talk today, I said, that's, that's great. I can condense all these thoughts into you know, 45 or 50 minutes and, and we're good. <laughs> and so I told, I told Rob and Bethany that and they both looked at me for a moment and when they realized I wasn't joking, they said in unison, yeah, you've got one minute. So it's a tall order, but here goes. I face every day in my, in my work, in my job, the ravages of violence, mental health issues, substance abuse, substance and alcohol abuse, and homelessness. And to face that every day, there are certainly days that I wonder, and many, many of them, that I wonder how I'm going to continue. And then when I am able to break away and, and come to this, this beautiful home here in Tiburon, my wife and I are raising three teenagers at home, and, I, and there are days, and one of whom is with me today, Peter, uh, and there are days when I wonder which is, which is harder. <laughs> so the church to me represents such an amazing ability uh, to stop for a moment, as, as Rob was talking about, to reflect, to refresh, to take in the inspiration that that Rob and Bethany somehow managed to come up with every single week, and that, that truly is an amazing gift. And to remember why I do what I do, why I love what I do, and how amazingly blessed I am to be able to do it. So that reminder is what the church represents to me. And I would ask that we remember what an amazing place we have here, and that we consider that as we 
think about our pledges coming up this year. Thank you for the opportunity to share.
may be seated. Increasingly, the primary parking spot for our information is on our website, so please avail yourself of that and go and read about the kinds of things that are happening in the life of this beloved community. We try to point to what's coming up soon in the bulletin, and so I trust you to read that in your own time. A couple of things to highlight. Every year about this time, near the end of September, we show up early on a Sunday morning to see runners going by the Tiburon Half Marathon and other races. And every year we say, oh, it'd be wonderful. We were out there cheering them on, and every year we don't. Uh, (laughs) So wouldn't it be nice if we became the church that was known for being outside cheering on people as they run by? So this year... At our wise youth director's suggestion, he said, sign us up to work the water table, and then we'll figure out the volunteers later. So we did, and now it's time to figure out. No, we have a couple of volunteers, but if you're an early riser and want to come join us next Sunday, 7 to 9, right out there at the water station, I'll be out there in my robe handing out water, scaring people. Uh, (laughs) Come join us and let Bethany know so we have a head count. But we're going to pull our banner out there and... and, uh, and at least keep people awake. Uh, A couple more. Um, I'll be part of an important dialogue today after the service with Laura Schwartz. Laura, where are you? There you are. Uh, Laura is a counselor and psychotherapist in the community, and we're going to be engaging in some conversation and sharing some tools about parenting in a way that is present with your young person, whether a young person is really young or not so young anymore. I would suggest, actually, it would be good for anybody who's just in relationship because it's not just about parents and kids. Um, there will be both childcare and activities for young people of any age concurrently, so don't let that deter you from coming. Finley Hall after the service. Tonight, as the seasons have changed, our wonderful Spiritual Life Commission is hosting a, a labyrinth walk. So if you've never walked a labyrinth, it's a, it's a really neat experience. The doors of the church will be open. There'll be no program. It'll be kind of self-guided, but there'll be people here to help you along. If you're not sure what to do, there'll probably be some written information as well. So 7 to 8 o'clock tonight. And with that, uh, in body or in spirit, let's rise for our closing hymn, number 291.
Yeah, I agree. <laughs> One more announcement, or really I should say invitation. If you have been visiting with us and you're feeling called to be a part of this community in a, in a formal way, we'd love to have you join us. On October 28th, we'll be receiving new members in worship. October 21st would be a chance for you to sit in a little orientation. If that doesn't work for you, we're trying something new, Bethany or I will come and meet with you at a time and location that works for you. And as long as you can do that between now and the 28th, uh, then we can receive you on that date. So just let one of us know. We'd love to get to know you more in a personal way and answer any questions you have about the church and then receive you into membership. So with that, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and every day. Amen. Amen.